Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my co-host and drinking buddy, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I am exhausted. Exhausted? Um, yeah. My my wife and I welcomed our second son, Ben, into the world uh, since the last show. And so we've got late nights, early mornings. Um, so if you hear me snoring at any point, <laughs> no, that's what it is. Uh, okay. Not not for lack of enthusiasm for the beer. <laughs> yes, yes. No, no, no. I, I understand. I've been in your shoes, although it's hard for me to remember that far back since my kids are a little bit older. But I do know I was tired. I, you know what, though? Nothing's changed. I'm still tired even now. Uh, when my kids are adults, they still wear me out. You got, you got that to look forward to. Oh, yes. I, I, I figure I'm not going to sleep till they're long gone. <laughs> or at least until they... Yeah, long gone. Yeah, yeah. You always worry about them, but at least they won't be, uh, you know, making you get up and feed them and change their diapers and stuff. That that does go away. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, <laughs> congratulations to you and your lovely wife and your two sons now. And I, I'm a little disappointed that you chose to name your second son after our buddy Ben Shawnier instead of me. But you know what? There's always a chance for a third one. Maybe you'll get a Denny in there. So. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. No problem. I forgive you. All right. Well, hey, before we get too too far into the show, let me explain what Tap to Craft is all about. Tap to Craft is an educational podcast, and we focus on bringing more people into the craft beer hobby. And John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts, meaning we love to drink, we love to learn about, we love to talk about craft beer. And hey, we're not experts. We have been known to let our personal opinions sometimes overshadow the pure facts, uh, mainly me. But hey, we just love talking about beer. and Sometimes we get a little bit too, too emotional in our discussion. Uh, we are here to help you learn about craft beer hobby in easy-to-understand terms. Also, just as a reminder, each episode has show notes describing the content and the beers that we mention on the show. So, hey, take, a chance, take an opportunity to, to look at the show notes that's on the, it's actually embedded into the podcast, and you can get more information on, on stuff you hear in the, in the show if you forget later on. We encourage our listeners also to write into the show and provide your experiences and knowledge, and it, ask questions that you want answered and also once a month we do a listener participation tasting notes segment where you the listener can drink along with us as john and i describe the tasting experience and for the next episode the beer tasting will be with the Widmer brothers brewing hefeweizen our first wheat beer tasting so you have two weeks to find a bottle or six of the Whitmere Brothers Hefeweizen. And I recommend getting the six because I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, these ones go down pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty tasty and, and pretty good. And, and it's interesting, on my Twitter timeline, I saw that somebody tweeted uh, yesterday for Super Bowl that their fridge was entirely filled with the Hefeweizen from Whitmere Brothers. I, wish, I couldn't believe there was that much beer in that fridge. So they must really like the Hefeweizen. Hey, we also invite our listeners to help support the show by taking just a few minutes out of your time and writing an iTunes review. This will help us get our show featured in, the, in iTunes and also widens our audience. 
So if you like what you hear, please just write a quick review. And this is episode 14, and we're recording on Monday, February 2nd, 2015. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing a few things. First off, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl commercial conflict. Should be a, an interesting conversation. Also, Elysian Brewing is the next brewery, craft brewery, to fall to AB InBev. And we'll get some insight on what John feels about that. And on our Brew Buzz segment, we're going to be talking about grains and their use in craft beer, especially the malts in this show. So, John, uh, you know what time it is? It's happy hour. And uh, what is in your glass tonight? So tonight I am drinking the Anderson Valley Bourbon Barrel Stout. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a stout aged in wild turkey uh, bourbon barrels. And one nice thing about this is it clocks in at only 6.9%. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, you know, bourbon barrel aged beers can be really heavy and, and big and you don't really want to do anything but sleep. <laughs> well, I guess that wouldn't be too bad right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's sort of light for, for the style, I guess, and it's kind of re- refreshing in that regard. Nice. Yes, I've had many a bottle of that beer. Each year I at least have one, if not two. In fact, I believe I have a bottle that I just purchased in my in my fridge waiting for me to drink. Uh, and it sounds good, but I love the, I love the wild turkey uh, flavors that come out in that beer too. It's, I mean, it's very, very delightful. So. Yeah, and it's uh, very recognizable. I think, yeah, yeah. For anybody who's had wild turkey. Yeah, it's so. got the wild turkey. What do they call that when it's kind of in behind the scenes? Uh, ah, like watermarked, kind of watermarked in the bottle, isn't it? Or is it actually prominent on? Uh, uh, yeah, they have a yeah the turkey kind of in the background. Of yeah, the, yeah. Label. yeah, yeah. But I I thank my wife for letting me uh, share some of this. It's from her pregnancy cellar, so now that she's oh. drinking it, uh, <laughs> she she's got a whole bunch of beers waiting for. Her. Oh wow! So. She you know what? She is such a sweet woman. I mean to to share her her little pregnancy cellar with you. That's that's nice. Yes. Very kind-hearted. Because I don't know <laughs> if you would do the same, would you? Mm, at least a taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, I'm also I, I've got something that uh, you know not quite as as nice as as what you're drinking, but still a, a great beer. It's what I it's my leftovers from yesterday's Super Bowl activities, and I'm drinking a local Boise Brewing or Bo- Boise Brewery uh, Payette Brewing. And I'm drinking their Slaughterhouse Red. It's actually an India-style red ale. And uh, this is just one of those... It's a, it's a really, really... It's like, you know, it's a hoppy... It's kind of a hoppy red ale. But it's just got good flavor, nice dark... You know, kind of a dark reddish... Reddish brown coloring. And just... I mean, it's just a really good beer. And I, every time I see a six-pack in the shells, I had to pick one up because it's just a, a good beer. Now... John, I don't think this was out when you visited me. Uh, not that. Also, I, heck, you were visiting me, and we didn't really drink as much beer as we wanted. But uh, yeah, we didn't make it to uh, pay yet. But I, yeah, I don't think this one was available. Okay. When, when I was there. All right. Well, when you come back my way, or when I come back your way, 
I hope that this Slaughterhouse Red is available for me to bring you some beer because I think you'll enjoy this one too. It's a, it's a great beer. And it's brewed right here in Excellent. Boise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Talking about beers, we don't, you know, we haven't been talking a lot about the beers that, you know, unique or one, you know, beers that we've really enjoyed uh, throughout the, the weeks between shows. So I want to give this opportunity just for us to talk just about a couple of the noteworthy beers that we drank over the last couple of weeks. So, John, was there anything noteworthy that you drank since our last episode? Uh, yeah, I'll mention a couple of things. So the first is not going to really be of any use to anyone. Um, it's a cask-aged triple from Rock Mill Brewing in uh, Lancaster, Ohio, <laughs> uh, that I have had aging in my cellar for about three years. Whoa! And I decided that... Uh, you know, Ben joining us and and the birth was a good uh, reason to pull that out. So um, went ahead and and popped the cork on that one, and uh, it did not disappoint. It was mm. really smooth. Uh, the the barrel character had kind of mellowed, and there was some nice just vanilla notes that that meshed really well with the triple. That it kind of um, it, it wasn't uh, as aggressive with the. Uh, the esters and you know some of that spicy and fruit kind of character that you can get mm-hmm. um so it, it all just blended together really well and it was just a nice way to to toast uh to the to the boy nice did, did you drink it by yourself or were you sharing it with uh friends and family i shared it with my mom um oh, who right. was there when when uh we got them so uh but uh you know the, this uh brewery when i was there they were brewing one barrel at a time. I think now they've expanded to a 15 barrel system, but I don't know if you if you'll find them outside of Central Ohio. So, if anybody's over in that area, I recommend going and checking them out. They specialize in Belgian beers. I think it's all they do. So, um, definitely worth a worth a visit. So another one that uh, my wife and I took advantage of when she got home was uh, one of your recommendations, Denny. Mm-hmm. And that was the Young's Double Chocolate Stout Float with oh. uh, coffee ice cream. Yes. haagen oh. coffee ice cream at that. Yes. yes, yes. We stayed true to the original. Uh. <laughs> okay. So so it didn't disappoint then. You guys, it, it was it was worthy of the effort? Yeah, yeah. The, the chocolate and coffee played really well together. But I think a lot of the fun was just watching the, the nitrogen cascade <laughs> in around the ice cream. Yeah. You know? So... I mean that it's it's almost worth just doing it so you can watch the glass. Um, but uh, yeah, you you were definitely uh, you called it on that one, so I'll recommend that that pairing All right. uh, for anybody. And I think you know one more just really quick. Um, New Belgium put out a seasonal porter uh, that I just just came to our area a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Portage Porter. Um, it's got a canoe on the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really solid porter. So anybody that uh, likes that style, if you can find it, grab it. Um, it's really good. I've put down quite a few of them uh, over the last <laughs> couple weeks. So, um, but how about you, Denny? Anything noteworthy? I, I have had a couple. Um, I'm gonna. The first one I'm gonna name is one that's hard to kind of pronounce. It's by Deschutes Brewery. <laughs> 
And it's it's a it's a style unlike anything that I've ever had from the shoots because the shoots typically uh, they revolve around more of the English style ales and and porters and and beers, although they do have a few you know Northwest pales and and IPAs they throw in every so often. But this one's called Zarabanda, and it's a it's a saison, and it's a saison they did in. Uh, conjunction with uh, a, a, a huge fan of theirs, which is a, sh- he's a chef at some big fancy restaurant somewhere. I think it's in Brazil. Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw the video. They, they had a, the shoots had the video on their website. I played it a while back and I said, oh, I got to try this beer. Sounds great. You know, they made it specifically for that style of food and everything. And, it, and they were going to serve it at the restaurant as a, as a regular beer. And it's, uh, it, it's really good. And it's uh, it's a I'd say it's a lighter saison because mm. it's not it's not in your face you know farmhousey or you know uh, you know Belgiany or anything it's just it's it's just it's light it's got really good flavor very refreshing uh, I just I fell in love with it on the first sip and all the way through the bottle I just I really enjoyed it have, have you had a chance to try that one John no, I haven't even heard of this one until now, but I'm I'm intrigued. I really like the the lighter saisons that mm-hmm. just kind of you know cleanse you and make you feel good, ni- nice and refreshing. So yeah, um, I'm definitely gonna have to see if I can snag that somewhere. Yeah, I I thought it was done really well. I mean, really really good. A little peppery in there. A little I think they use some peppercorns. Uh, everything was just done just just right. It wasn't over overdone and that's what i appreciated about that beer so that's one of the the ones i wanted to mention the other one just the second beer was uh, again one of the first ipas which wasn't even an ipa it was a it was a pale ale that was like hopped up to be like an ipa it's one of the first ones i had and it was by full sale brewing and it was their 10th anniversary uh like i think it was called very special pale L was was the name of their this tenth anniversary beer that they brewed, and I fell in love with it. And that was my pretty much my first introduction to just you know really hopped up beer, uh, and I drank that beer and it was released on their tenth anniversary. And I drank it like for three years after that they kept releasing and then finally got rid of it. But uh, I at that point I hadn't missed an anniversary L they release since. I just I love you know the special stuff they do. And this is their 27th anniversary. They released the Full Sail 27th anniversary wheat wine uh, beer. Uh, And you know what? Honestly, John, I did not know that wheat wine was an actual beer style. Kind Kind of similar to a barley wine, but with wheat instead of barley. Uh, And this is my first one I've ever had. And I tell you what, it shocked me. Uh, it was very, very smooth. Had some fantastic flavor with the wheat in there, and the mouthfeel was like I was drinking a cloud. It was like soft and fluffy, uh, and I think that was that that wheat in there just kind of made it made it feel like it's a, I don't know, it just made it feel in- nice. Uh, have you have you had any wheat wines before, or have you had this beer by any chance? I haven't had this one. I- I think I've only ever had one wheat wine, and it was a somebody's homebrew that they were just <laughs> wasn't great. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't see these very much, um, 
and uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's tough to brew with that much wheat. Um, so wheat can get really sticky and gelatinous. Yeah, um, yeah. It makes it hard to mash and stuff. So, um, but glad they pulled it off. Uh, I'll have to see if anybody still has this line around somewhere. Yeah, it was just released last week. So I think it was last week. I, I bought it last week, so I'm guessing it was released pretty pretty recently. But um, yeah, it's really good. Do, do you? By any, I mean, I just mentioned that I I love buying their anniversary ales every year. Do you um, get a chance to drink many of their special anniversary ales they release, or do you not get as many up there? Um, I don't seek them out. Uh, I've grabbed a couple um, over time, but uh, it's not something I've made a mission like you. So, um, but I love full sale. I pick up their stuff whenever I can, um, mm-hmm. and when the budget allows. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I also love their stuff. I, I, I did have a little bit of falling out with them. Not really too bad of falling out, but they did about, uh, 12, 10 or 12 years ago, 12 years ago, I think it is now they, they went and they kind of re, they reestablished their I don't know if they got some new brewers in or something, or they just changed the recipes, but they they kind of changed some of the, the their beers, and they didn't taste the same as it did before, and and I I really it really kind of pissed me off because when you get used to drinking a beer that tastes familiar, and then all of a sudden they changed that beer up, that's really frustrating for for someone who really you know enjoys that beer and. And they did that. They changed up their IPA and their their amber. Uh, I'm not a big amber fan, but their amber was pretty good. They made their amber more like uh, more earthy and more you know uh, earthy and uh, uh, dirty kind of. I, and I just I just <laughs> didn't like it, and it just kind of pissed me off. I was like, hey, why are you messing with a good thing? But hey, I'm not the I don't know. And I'll, that's an independent brewery, so obviously all the people that work there that. You know, they they must have said, "Yeah, change our our recipes." And uh, but you know what? They're still you know they're still doing well. They still do enough variety of things. That I love their Doppelbox that they they brew. Uh, fantastic Doppelbox. I I yeah, mean I love them. Uh, so hey, uh, I just want to celebrate Full Sail's 27th anniversary. And uh, anyone that can find this wheat wine, go go give it a shot. Give it a try. It's pretty good. It's only nine and a half percent alcohol, so it's not over the top, and the wheat is very, it's it's very enjoyable. All right, I didn't mean to talk so long on that, but uh, you know, once I get talking about beer, I just can't stop. So I, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, but hey, we're gonna move on, and we actually have a listener question this week, and this is uh, brought to you by our buddy on Twitter at TPS Sponge. We'll call him Robert. And he says, what, and this is kind of revolving around the whole Budweiser Super Bowl commercial uh, issue that went on. Anyone that watched the Super Bowl yesterday probably knows what we're going to talk about. But uh, he asked, what are your feelings on the commercial aired by Budweiser at the Super Bowl, taking shots at craft beer and at the same time buying craft breweries? So, John, did for one thing, did you see the commercial? I did. Okay, what what... What are your thoughts on the commercial? Did you did you get offended by it, or did you laugh at it, or what was your your feelings? Uh, so when this first came on, I just when it it came up, I think the first thing was they were a 
crowd macro brewery yeah. or something like that. <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, smirked. And then it just continued and my mouth just like dropped open as they yeah. just took shot after shot, which is fine. I mean, that's their prerogative. They sell a crap ton of beer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. it does come across as a little hypocritical when they're, they're buying up these breweries. I mean, especially when they mention uh, pumpkin peach ale, mm-hmm. which the brewery they just bought literally had one at their pumpkin beer festival uh, this, this Just a couple months year. ago, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it did have pecans in it too, so it's not exactly <laughs> the same. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if they were trying to be ironic doing the pseudo hipster weird thing while taking shots at hipsters i don't <laughs> i don't know but i i also wonder you know do they have i mean is this an internal marketing department that's doing this or do they have some marketing company that works for them and i'm willing to bet that they don't have all the details of you know acquisitions and that kind of stuff so it could just be a horrible coincidence that they they picked a peach pumpkin beer you know with when Elysian's pretty well known um mm-hmm. for doing that kind of thing but you know at the same time for who this ad is targeted at most of their drinkers don't even know that they bought Elysian yeah. don't know anything about it don't care aren't going to care yeah and they're just going to stand up on their stump and be like hell yeah I drink it to drink, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. oh it, yeah. In the end, I don't really care. I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, just the way it all came about with recent events, but eh, whatever. And I know a lot of people are probably going to take offense or already have taken offense to it, but meh. <laughs> it doesn't affect me in any way. I'm going to keep buying the beer I want and drinking it. So Yeah, yeah. It. I, I had a similar reaction. I Same thing. The first thing that comes across on the commercial is proud macro brewery. And uh, I, 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 I did the same thing. I kind of laughed like, oh, my gosh. And, but then as it continued going on, I, I kind of – I was just – my jaw dropped thinking, what the hell? I, I just – I couldn't believe these guys were kind of – were taking crack shots at craft breweries while – you know, and in my back of my mind, I'm thinking about man. I just bought my beloved Ten Barrel, and then they just bought my other beloved Elysian. I mean, two two breweries I adore just got gobbled Have we considered up by it. that they might be attacking you personally. I think I think so. <laughs> I think I think they are. They they and that's what one of the, my buddies at work says. You know what? He says, "Hey, I think Imbev is going through your untapped timeline and pulling out all the yeah. breweries that you're drinking." And I'm like, "I Look think out, they are. is next." I know, <laughs> I know. So, um, so yeah, I, I by the end of the commercial, I just was shaking my head, thinking, "I cannot believe that they they just did that." And I, but then I was also thinking, "Are they are they making fun of them? Are they just making? Are they just, are they just trying to be funny?" You know, are they appeasing to those regular Budweiser beer drinkers that, you know, that don't drink craft because, for one thing, they're too cheap to buy it. They don't want to spend the money. And the other thing is, is, hey, they don't care about flavor. They just want to get drunk, right? You know, they want their NASCAR and whatever. Uh, Hey, that's fine. I don't have a problem. Maybe those guys, you know, were their audience they're aiming at for funny, you know, because there was a lot of commercials yesterday that weren't all that funny. Uh, that, yeah, that also, most depressing Super yeah, Bowl commercials. Ever. Yeah, so 
I kind of did a breakdown of the, the different things they said in this thing. So, the, like you said, the first thing they started off was proud macro brewery. And, you know, that's great. They can be proud of being a big-ass brewery. But you know what? Just because you're the biggest doesn't mean you're the best by any means. Because they definitely, you know, in, in our opinion, anyone listening to this podcast's opinion, I'm sure, craft beer is, is far better as, as far as flavor and enjoyment factor. But that's, you know, they can... They can go with the biggest. They're, they're the biggest. They're the they're a macro. Um, then they say, "Hey, not their their beer is not to be fussed over." And they show these guys sitting around sniffing their you know having their uh, their little samples in front of them, their tasters, and sniffing it. I'm like, well, okay, uh, okay, not, not to be fussed over. Yeah, nobody is going to stick their nose up to a Budweiser and give it a little whiff. You know, give swish it in their mouth or anything. Because that's and then you not don't want to drink it. Yeah, you don't even want to drink it. You want, and it has to be ice cold. You know, it's going to be one of those cold ones. But then they say they don't want to be fussed over. But then what's the very next thing that they say in the commercial? The only beer, Beechwood Aged. And you know what? My gosh, I've heard that slogan, that saying for thirty some years, and I never thought about it until that commercial. And like. What the hell is Beechwood Age? Are they trying to say that they put all their all their beer into big giant Beechwood barrels? Uh, no, no. What they're really saying is that they 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 throw in a bunch of Beechwood chips while it you know ferments or whatever for 21 days and then they 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 bottle it up and but you know what? Then you know why why are they doing that? Why why are they fussing over their beer? Why why even put birch, birchwood in there if people don't want to? You know, in, so I think uh, historically they they used to have beechwood lined tanks, and I I don't know if that was just back in the day when there, you didn't have stainless, everything was done in wood. Um, oh, okay. But uh, so now I, I think they continue that tradition kind of as a you know a throwback to okay. to their beginning or something. Yeah, I'll um, I'll buy that. That sounds good. I, that sounds good. Hey, their beer is also not. It's brewed for drinking, not dissecting. Uh, yeah, because who the hell would ever want to dissect a bud, Budweiser? Right? Okay, they got a point. And they say the people who drink our beer are people who like to drink beer. Really? Uh, I mean, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think people who drink craft beer are people who like to drink beer too. So I don't, I don't know what they're trying to to say there. Um, and then they they mention that uh, that hey, they're they're they brew beer the hard way. What the hell does that mean? Brew beer the hard way. If you're if you're brewing the hard way, then you're doing it the wrong way, right, John? Because you said brewing is pretty yeah, damn easy. Boil some water. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. I, was it you that that? Uh... I don't know, retweeted the thing from Grand Teton. Yeah, yeah. That they said they were brewing the hard way. They just bottled a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> yeah, now that because that is, I've been to the brewery, right? They're all those bottles, those twenty-two ounce bottles. Those are hand, those are hand done. There's, they have one, they have one bottling machine that does twenty, that does uh, regular size bottles, but it doesn't do the twenty-two ounce bottles. And he told me that all their twenty-two ounce bottles are hand bottled, still. You know, to this day, they're hand bottled, and so they just all those bottles that they were shown that were done. That was done the hard way because they didn't have a machine to do it. They 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 did that all by hand. So that's pretty damn impressive. That's really the hard way. 
And then, of course, you already mentioned, it says, let them sip their pumpkin peach ales. And I, and I mentioned here that, yeah, I, that sounds familiar. And I thought that Elysian may have done a beer like that. And sure enough, John, you, you, you say they did. They did it one just this last pumpkin ale. And why the heck would you, again, maybe it was done in different or parts of the organization, different ad, whatever. It still had to be uh, green green lighted to, to go on the for the commercial and somebody somebody should have been smart enough to know that hey maybe you know we're buying craft breweries maybe we shouldn't bash on them because we you know we're buying them and hey we probably shouldn't definitely bash on the brewery that we just bought because that's the kind of beer they make they make you know weird stuff like that yeah, along with pumpkin ginger, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin cucumber, pumpkin sour, <laughs> pumpkin Mexican spiced, pumpkin stout. Pumpkin... Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, and then last, they, they say, hey, we'll be brewing us some golden suds. This is the famous Budweiser beer. And I kind of say it's more infamous than famous. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the commercial... Uh, there's a lot of articles on all kinds of different uh, websites that talk about you know this whole bash on craft beer, the, hypo- the hip- hypocrisy of it, you know the you know everything. So there's plenty of stuff for you guys to read out there. I'm not going to name any off you know that you have to read, but I just thought that uh, it was interesting. Uh, I think that they could have come up with a better commercial than that to still promote their product, but without also, you know, hurting their themselves, kind of. I mean, now, but they got, you know what? They always say uh, there's no bad advertising. So, obviously, it's getting a lot of buzz. So, there's, you know, they're, yeah. they're getting it a lot of, Yeah, it works. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? We, we've been kind of hitting around the fact that, that you, a local brewery to you right in Seattle, Elysian Brewing, uh, was just acquired or is being acquired by AB InBev, uh, just announced, I think, on January 25th. So, John, what's going on? How do you feel about that? And has it changed your life at all? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I... We talked in depth when Ten Barrel was bought, and you know my feelings are still, still along the same lines. You know, I'll continue to buy the beer that I want to buy, and mm-hmm. some of that's going to be Elysian because I like the way it tastes. And you know, sure, those dollars are flowing up to, um, yeah, the the head headquarters over there in Belgium or wherever. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's still <clears throat> a lot of people that are, that are angry and it was the same thing with Tenbro. It's, it's no longer local beer. Well, who do you think all those people, you know, brewing the beer here in Seattle and over in Bend and mm-hmm. Boise, you know, the, the taxes for them working and where they're going to spend their money isn't in Belgium. It's not in St. Louis. It's right there in your, your local town. So, that's that's a little foolish, uh, you know. Sure, some of that money is is getting out, but you're still supporting the livelihood of folks in your neighborhood. Um, and as long as I like the product, I'm still going to buy it. It it has been interesting being here, you know, not insulated from mm-hmm. all the hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it, but 
uh, what I think a lot of people feel betrayed. Yeah. Um, especially because it was Elysian and, and Dick Cantwell. I think he's taken a lot of heat here uh, personally. Um, he was the president of the Brewers Association, I think, for uh, like seven years or something like that. I mean, he's been you know, hugely influential. He literally wrote the book on how to start a brewery, like, um, which the, uh, the Brewers Association started a big ad campaign for in like November, mm-hmm. um, you know, pushing that it was by Dick Cantwell of Elysian. And now I feel like they're going to be trying to reel that back in, yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, I, and I think, I think that's a lot of people are taking this more personally because, you know, he's been so influential and, in the craft beer community and you know i i don't think that's fair to him uh, and i th- there was an article out i mean he basically threw his his co-founders under the bus saying he didn't want to do this at all mm. um but uh you know it is what it is and if the the beer slips and i don't like it anymore i, I won't buy it but yeah. in, until that time you know i will i was at an lesion two weeks ago <laughs> so, yeah. yeah you know down by the stadium yeah so yeah I mean, i've been there yeah, I enjoyed it. There, I'll tell you this: we visited that uh, uh, pub spot right next to the stadium when we were in Seattle last time, and th- I'll tell you, they treated us so well. I mean, they gave us free stickers, free keychains. I mean, they they just were bending over backwards to make our our stay. And you know, they knew we were from out of town, and they said, "Oh, here, here's this." And I, I just, I know, it just felt good. That's that's what I and that's a and Elysian is a pretty big craft brewery in in that area. They have what three, three or four different venues where they serve their their beer, and uh, you know they must get a ton of traffic in and out of their places. Yet they still just gives you that extra effort when when people come in, and that that's what I appreciate. And I. I don't think that's going to change. I think that whole, you know, that and, and the the beers they make, you know, the, sure, not all their beers are fan, are you know are excellent, fantastic, the best beers ever. But you know what? A lot of them are super good. I mean, unique, good beers that I don't think that's going to be taken away from them. I don't. I hope that's the same thing. I hope with Tim Barrel. I hope that they don't get pressured into reducing the amount of beers that they put out a year you know, different types to only put out, you know, instead of putting out 50 different beers, they only can put out, you know, 15 different beers or 20, you know, I don't want them to be throttled down like that. That's, that would be sad because there's a lot of innovation in their craft, in their brewing in their craft. So, all right. There was an article, um, that was in your Seattle post intelligencer, intelligencer, uh, that was by the poor fool uh, on this subject. And I did you read that article by any chance? Did you see that one? Uh, I did. I forced myself to finish it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it, that was some. So, I, so I, I guess maybe you probably feel the same as me. Is that this was some pretty sad writing? Very. I, I, I was looking to see if it was in the editorial section, but I think this is an actually. Is it? Is he an editorial writer, or is this is a? An article that he just that he does in like a beer section in that. In that uh, no, I'm pretty sure he has a column with them. I've never read him before. I don't think I will again. Uh, yeah, um, 
it's I mean he if he even took a shot at somebody who disagreed with him in the comments and was like this is what I do and the you know the the numbers for readership uh, reflect that when when I do this it's good and it's what the people want and, <laughs> um well not not for me so yeah not I, not for me either I, I'm willing to have a, a discussion about it and it's okay if you disagree with me but uh yeah he he belittled anybody who would ever even dream of um, buying an Elysian beer again and you know it I, I, I don't know it, it's, it's unnecessary he's he's in, absolutely entitled to spend his money the way he wants if he doesn't mm-hmm. want to buy it he doesn't have to but uh, I don't know uh, lowering yourself to, to that name calling and, and just attacking people yeah, it's not necessary yeah so. alright John you know what you explain exactly how i felt about it too i this we're so linked on so many ways with uh with our same ideas so i'll just leave it at that you said it well uh the poor fool will probably i'll never read another thing he's i've only read one thing he's done and that's the last thing i'll probably ever read because of just what you said john i just i don't like i don't like when people belittle other people other companies talk about things that they don't have any I mean, he was talking about Ten Barrels owners and how they, uh, you know, were all about money, all for the money or whatever, off of hearsay. You know what? You can't talk about other people where they were coming from when you don't, you know, when you're just hearing it from distance. Come on. You know, and like I said, everything was just uh, on a really negative connotation, and I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. I like to, you know, I like to read articles that actually, hey, you can have emotion, you can explain what you want, but... But do it in a, you know, in a in a better. Don't do it in a you know in a abrasive and fighting you know belittling way. Do it in a more higher, you know, pedestal way, podium. So all right, that's enough of that. All right, John. You know what time it is? It's time for the brew buzz segment, and the brew buzz is devoted to discussing various beer related topics. And this week, we're going to discuss uh, grains and their use in craft beer, and specifically malts. So in the last episode, we talked about the beer brewing process, and we mentioned that in the process, there's four ingredients, malt, hops, yeast, and water. So John and I decided that in the next few shows, we want to dive further into these ingredients so that we can explain exactly how they can be used to enhance the flavors and also define the styles of the beers that we drink. So in this episode, we want to start with the grains. And in particular, we're going to talk about the malts, the malted barley. So as John explained in, in our last episode, the malts provide the sugars that are used in the fermentation process and that they're used to create the and, and those sugars are also used by the yeast to create the alcohol content. But depending upon the type of malt used, the flavor, the aroma, and the color profiles of the beer can be vastly different. So what exactly is malt? Malt is, is actually germinated cereal grains, barley, wheat, rye, oats, etc., that are dried with hot air. And during, during the malting process, these grains are placed into water, and when they're placed into water, uh, it will stimulate the germination process. And the germination is then halted when the, when the grains are taken out and dried with hot air. And this process is called kilning. 
And during this process, it produces enzymes within the grain that modifies the grain starches into sugars. So, John, do you want to go on and explain what the two different uh, major groups of, of our malts are? Sure. So, uh, malt is kind of divided from a brewing perspective into into two camps. There's uh, base malt and specialty malt. And the base malt is, uh, you know, just another thing that's just like it sounds. It's the the, the base for the beer. It, it's this grain is going to form the majority of the grain bill. Um, usually, at least like 75, 80 percent um, or so. You a lot of times up to 90 or even 100 in some styles. You you may just only use one malt. Um, but uh, you know these you know form the the base. They provide the majority of uh, the sugar uh, to, for the yeast, um, and uh, then we have the specialty malts, and these are more highly kiln malts that add you know different character to the beer and really on their own can can dictate what the style is. Um, but uh, you know we we mentioned these base malts take up most of the grain bill, and that's because most specialty malts can't be used on their own. Um, a, lot, a lot of the higher kilning um, you know, destroys the enzymes uh, that allow uh, that that starch to convert to sugar. Um, so they need to be used in conjunction with the base malt, which is kind enough to share the enzymes um, with whatever other grains are in the mash. Um, and and some some base malts uh, only have enough to break down them, themselves um, and maybe need a little help from something else. Um, but uh, most can can help out and, and help uh, convert the specialty malts into sugars. So, um, so we, we've got, uh, you know, we're going to highlight a few base malts and specialty malts, and these are by no means every malt available to brewers. Uh, we're going to hit some of the, I guess, more common ones uh, that, that you may see in and some brewers do put this information on the bottle, so you know, or or their website. Um, so you know, take take a look and and pay attention to what they're they're putting in, and you may start to pick up on kind of how these things are formed and put together. Mm. So I'll start off with with some base malts. Um, probably the most common thing, especially here in the U.S., are uh, pale malts. Um, it's basic, used almost across the board. Um, for ales, uh, anything from an amber all the way to a stout. I mean, pale malt will be will be used as a base. Uh, and the, here in America, our variety is uh, usually lighter in color um, and usually has a, a cleaner character, uh, very light grain um, that's going to come through in that. Uh, there, there are Belgian and British pale malts. Um, they're a little darker. Uh, and give a, a little bit of a fuller profile, um, kind of bready, nutty sometimes. Um, and so these will range, um, we're going to quote some numbers here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, which I guess probably needs some some background. But uh, it's Love a Bond, and it's a, it, it's a, a characterization of color, um, Small number means it's it's light, um, you know, kind of like a a straw, all the way up to really high numbers, which can be basically black. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it basically runs the gamut from that white straw into yellows and ambers and browns all the way up to black. Um, so these malts are going to be, you know, like one and a half to two for an American style all the way up to, you know, three or four for uh, Belgian and even up to six Love a Bond for uh, a British malt, uh, British pale malt. Um, and th- these malts are generally what's described as a two-row malt. Um, there's also a six-row variety, uh, but that malt is more commonly used by uh, bigger macro brewers. Um, it's It's got uh, higher protein content. It's cheaper. Um, although, you know, I think that the cheaper cost will offset uh, because it doesn't provide as much starch and sugar mm-hmm. as a two-row. Um, but uh, higher enzyme and protein content in there helps with the corn and rice that's present in, the, in those mashes. <laughs> so uh, it helps break those down. So um, there is that. Um, yeah, so pale malt, you're going to see it everywhere. Um, it's definitely what's in the majority of the beers that you're drinking here in the U.S. Mm. Um, and I think the other kind of mainstay that people are probably more familiar with or it's going to be more recognizable is a wheat malt. Um, and this is obviously a base for wheat beer <laughs> um, and any, any wheat focused style. Um, but it, you know, it's going to give you that kind of wheat grain character, kind of cracker like, um, it comes in at like two and a half degree level bond, really light still. Um, but wheat malt is also used to give great head, oh. uh, in your beer. Oh. Sorry, Danny. I know I got you excited. <laughs> um, but it's, it's got a high protein content, which helps out with that. So that's actually, you can get a little smattering of that uh, across quite a few beers too, um, just to kind of help out with some of the, that head stability and everything, which we all, we all love a lot. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Like good head. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I mentioned in, for the pale malt, you know, there's an American variety, there's Belgian, there's British. Um, a lot of these, these malts have different, you know, origins and just depends on where the, the maltster is and where they source their grain. Um, and Munich malt is another that, uh, you know, from its name, you would assume it just comes from Germany. There are American versions. Um, and very similarly with, uh, pale malt, it tends to be just a little cleaner. Um, some would call it a little more boring, I guess, for, <laughs> for Munich. Um, but, uh, Munich gives you a lot of sweet and toasted flavors. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, most commonly used in Oktoberfest and Mertzen styles. A lot of, a lot of those will be even a hundred percent, um, Munich malt. Um, but, this one ranges about 10 to 20 degrees level bond, so you're looking at uh, maybe uh, 5 to 10 times darker than mm. your pale malt or your wheat malt, um, just to kind of give a bit of a reference. Um, and that gives you a kind of a golden or orange color um, in your beer. Um, but uh, this one's also used almost as a specialty grain sometimes uh, to give you kind of a, a little bit of depth in your malt. Um or even, you know, just a half and half pale in Munich to give it a little more body or, or something like that. Um, but I, Munich is another that you'll you'll see quite often. Boy, I feel like I'm giving a lecture. 
No, <laughs> hey, you're doing great. You're, I'm getting a lot of information from this. So, you're, hey, keep lecturing. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get yeah, get back in front of my, my podium and everybody quiet down and listen. Um, <laughs> so a uh, couple more base malts, and th- these are both uh, predominantly used in lagers. Uh, Pilsner malt and uh, Vienna malt. And a Pilsner malt is a very light in color, you know, one and a half degree level bond. It might even be lighter than than the pale malt you see. Um, it's gonna be really grainy, cracker. Um, a lot of beers can kind of get a graham cracker almost from this, um, but obviously used in pilsners uh, and a lot of other lagers. It'll be the the primary base there. Mm. Um, and even in Belgian styles, doubles and triples, you know, it can give a very um, very light, uh, but still kind of solid foundation for some of these beers uh, to kind of let the let the yeast take take the stage. Um, and then the the Vienna malt, uh, it's uh, a little darker than the than the Pilsner, kind of almost twice as dark, um, but it gives a, a little fuller body and that extra kilning gives it the kind of a toasted. Uh, biscuity character um, and a little more golden hue to the color. Um, Vienna Mall is uh, another one that's kind of commonly used to mix in a little bit, give a little more depth. Um, not as common to to be used solely by itself, but um, there are beers that, that will take advantage of that and uh, for the for the loggers. Hmm. Excuse me, Andrea. Wet your whistle. Get some more beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you getting a little dry. <laughs> all right. Well, then, those are all the base malts. So, John, those are all the malts that will be the majority, at least, you know, up 75% of the malt. Uh, even 100% could be if you're doing, as you mentioned, if you're doing a uh, an Oktoberfest, you may decide to use 100% Munich malt. And that's that's okay, right? Because it's a base malt, has right. all the sugars that you need to to be converted. Okay, so now the specialty malts. These are you mentioned the specialty malts coming up. These are the ones that uh, are going to have a little bit longer kilning process. That's going to make them a little bit more. Uh, I mean, does the kilning process make them darker, or does it just change the 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 sugar? I mean, how does it? I mean, I guess I guess there's different kinds of grains, and then the kilning will just make it darker and and give you a little bit different color and, and right. flavor. Yeah. So the the kilning, I mean, you're heating it up. So the longer you heat it up, um, you know, the more it's kind of cooking, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, for a lot of us that aren't necessarily adept in the kitchen, uh, the longer you leave something in the oven. Uh, it's going to get closer and closer to burnt. Yes. Um, okay. So it's similar here. You're you're basically cooking the grain uh, to dry it out, and uh, so the, the longer that that process is, the darker it gets, and it kind of develops a lot of these different characters. Okay. Um, so you know we mentioned the the higher kilning, and now I'm going to you know backtrack a bit and talk about uh, crystal malt, which is also called caramel malt those are kind of interchangeable terms depending on uh who who does the malting um but these range from anywhere from 10 up to even 150 i think there's a 180 uh degree level bond and they're referred to just as crystal 10 or crystal 20 Mm -hmm. and those numbers are just the degrees level bond so how dark it is Mm -hmm. um 
Now, these molds actually go through a, a steeping process um, during uh, molting, and it basically causes each grain to uh, mash itself hmm. inside the husk. Um, so when you when you you know mill that grain, you crack that husk open, you actually have instant access to the sugar. It's already done. Mm. Um, so these uh, these grains can give you a lot of sweetness. Uh, and a, a lot of body, it's um, kind of different than, than a lot of the others because that process creates a lot of sugars that can't be broken down by the yeast. Um, but uh, it's definitely a unique character, and um, there's really a huge range of, of flavors that you can get um, from these crystal malts. Um, although the lighter ones, you're going to get more of the, the caramel that you know kind of gives the name uh, or the other name to, to these grains. Um, and this is kind of anywhere from 10 to 40 uh, Lovabon or so. You know, a lot more of that, that caramel, a lot of that light sweetness and uh, kind of a golden color. Um, and this is uh, a lot of your amber ales, um, pale ales, IPAs will take advantage of this range. Um just to give a little bit of that sweetness to help out with hops or something like that without um, giving the malt too much of the show um, since those are more focused for the hops and that kind of thing. Um, and then you have your darker ones, which is, you know, 60 to 150 or so. And as you, as you get darker here, um, you're getting a, You're going to get more and in, more intense caramel, um, some toffee, uh, kind of some. As you get high into that 120, 150 range, uh, you can even get some dark fruit like plums and cherries and, and that kind of thing out of these. Um, and those I think are the most uh, interesting uh, of these crystal malts. And these will be used uh, across the board. Um, Brown ales, uh, ambers, uh, bigger barley wines, stouts, porters. Um, th- these kind of malts just really give a lot of depth and can uh, really let you play with that uh, that malt character. Um, so th- these these are the ones when you see them uh, listed on the bottle or whatever that uh, really pay attention to the to the malt character because these will these will be contributing a lot to that. Okay. These next ones are, are even darker. Uh, keep in mind, we started this discussion with our base malts at, you know, one and a half to two degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, these next ones are hundreds of times, or a hundred times that, 200 times that. Um, so you've got some, a couple different uh, chocolate malts, uh, a pale chocolate and then kind of a dark chocolate, although it's just called chocolate. Um and uh, the pale chocolate runs uh, from like 180 to 250 range uh, in in Love a Bond. Um, it if you visually, it's kind of a light brown, um, kind of a pale brown almost, which may be where it gets its name. This uh, can give you uh, some of that co- uh, chocolate character, kind of a, a light, um, almost more like a milk chocolate character, uh, but also uh, coffee. Um, and these are. Very common in porters and stouts, and give a lot of the the character and color for an English mild, mm-hmm. which is just a really light alcohol, easy drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Um, think of it as like a session brown ale almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they're they're very very pleasant and can actually be quite complex for a beer that only has 
like three and a half percent alcohol, and and this kind of malt will be will be providing uh, a lot of that character. Then if you if you step it up and you you roast that or kiln that malt even more, uh, you get that the chocolate malt, which is up in the 300 to 350 degree level bond range, um, and you you still get that chocolate. It's going to be more intense, um, some toasted character, nutty character, uh, probably still still some more of that coffee, and it's a lot darker. Um, and these these malts, uh, you know, again porters, stouts, that kind of thing. And it really don't doesn't take much uh, to to darken a beer. Um, I remember the first time I brought home the the grain for my uh, stout, and my wife looked at it and said, "You messed up uh, because <laughs> it's you know ninety percent or ninety five percent of that base malt, yeah. and then just a little bit of that." Uh, dark chocolate or (laughs) mixed in there and it really looks like that's never going to turn out but because we're talking about something that's 300 times darker it really doesn't take a lot to to change the the color of the beer um so with these a little tends to go a long way um when you see chocolate malt um it's not going to be a lot that's in there but it's still gonna be a pretty big impact Mm -hmm. to, to what you're tasting and then the last one I'll talk about um, is another dark malt, um, uh, roasted barley. Uh, this is what's kind of defines uh, what a stout is. Um, a lot of that bitter roast character, coffee character, um, it's coming straight from this grain. Uh, 300 to 500 degree level bond, um, <clears throat> it's going to give you that deep brown, black almost color. Um, if you use just a little bit of it, it can kind of give you a really interesting um, shades of kind of ruby um, in, in your beer. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But more often than not, it's going to be in a stout, something that's, you know, real deep, real black. Um, but uh, this is definitely one that's easy to go overboard. And um, if you're drinking a stout or something, and once you drink it, it's kind of um, almost kind of puckering, a, like an ast- really astringent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that can come from this grain if, if somebody overdid it. Um, it, it can that, that bitter and roast can just take over and almost ruin a beer. So wow. um, that that could be where you, you get that unpleasantness from. <laughs> so. All right. Wow. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a great discussion on malts and... I'd be shocked to hear anyone not uh, have a way better understanding because I'll tell you what, I have a better understanding after this uh, brew bus segment. Uh, so thank you, John, for sharing uh, some of your expertise on the base and specialty malts. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully everybody's still awake, didn't get bored too no, much. No, I'm, uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. I almost fell <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, you know, I and I give that warning, you know, a lot of times when we talk brewing stuff, I, I can tend to get get really into it and but uh you know I, I, it's really interesting and i think it it helps to know where your beer comes from it's same with uh your food you know tasting the the ingredients it, it really helps you get a better understanding of where how it's all built and you know really where those those aspects you like come from yeah. you know if you 
seeing, oh, you know, a lot of the beers have this Crystal Lady malt in it. I should seek that out. You know, I mm-hmm. I really send, tend to like this. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it can help everybody. Yeah, I I see the 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 listing on a lot of different breweries that put the you know what the the ingredients are, and I see the numbers and stuff. I didn't know what they meant. Uh, you know, but now, yeah, I definitely have a better understanding and, and I'll be able to, to maybe pick out beers, you know, you know, have an idea if I'm going to really like a beer, if I know that certain ingredients in the malts, you know, are to my liking. So it'd be good. All right. Well, that was a fantastic brew bus segment, but we're getting towards the end of the show, but we have one um, news article that I want to share. This was news article was brought to us thanks to Yojimbo2000 on Twitter, and the article is titled, To Be Discontinued, Parting is Such a Sweet, or Such Sweet Sorrow. And this article is about, is, is, was on the Stone Brewing website in their news section, and it's about uh, Stone retiring a couple of their beers. And uh, you might be disappointed that that these beers are going away, but they say, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to read the article, I'm just going to kind of uh, just give you the gist of it. They say, hey, uh, we release these beers, and as as time goes, they always try to innovate and kind of get new new flavors and new types of beers and things that, you know, people will enjoy. And out of that, you know, they, they usually will pick a couple and they'll add up to their regular lineup. Well, they did that with two of these beers, and one was the Stone Levitation Amber Ale, and the other one was the Stone Sublimely Self-Righteous Black IPA. Uh, they, they released those to mass production, and they've been a, a, a regular release for many years now, at least three years, I think. And uh, it's time t- for Stone to go ahead and retire those. They say that the amount of sales is just not enough to keep it up in production, so they're going to go ahead and retire them and make way for a new offering, and the new offering is from uh, one of their uh, their former uh, anniversary ales, the 15th anniversary. It was called Escondidian Imperial Black IPA, which when that beer came out, I, it, I, it, I drank at least five bottles of it because it was so damn good. Uh, it's one of those, it's an Imperial Black IPA, which is crazy, but it's one of those ones I really enjoy. And they're going to they're gonna call by a different name. It's going to be called the Stone Enjoy By Black IPA. So it's going to kind of go hand-in-hand and kind of side-by-side with their Enjoy By, their regular Enjoy By IPA. Now they're going to have the Enjoy By Black IPA. So uh, look for this beer uh, on the shelves in the near future. So I just want to thank again, I want to thank uh, David, Yojimbo2000, for sharing that that article. And he knows that uh, we're... We're all fans of Stone Brewing. So yeah, I, I don't know that I'll miss the levitation too much. I can't no. remember the last time I had it, but um, I, I did pick up the Sublimely Self Righteous from time to time. I almost picked it up the other day. Now I'll have to go back and and rectify that. But it's yeah. kind of smart uh, bringing these uh, or this back as the the enjoy buy. They they've uh, conditioned the consumer that this needs to be bought, needs to be bought fast, and you mm-hmm. need to drink it fast. Yeah. And then you know, go need, need to go buy it again when we give you the opportunity. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they've had success with the Enjoy Buy. They're going to continue that success, I'm sure, with the, the Enjoy Buy Black IPA. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with you. I didn't drink a lot of the Levitation. Uh, you know, I had one or two here and there 
you know, but nothing, nothing really jumped out at me. For one thing, it's not a, you know, Stone is usually got pretty good hoppy stuff. It's not a real hoppy beer. But the, uh, the sublimely self-righteous, though, oh, yeah, I drank uh, many of those. And they are, uh, I think, I, if I remember correctly in the article, they said they are bottling up the last batch of that right now, and it will be out on the shelves. So you still, you know, if you're hearing us, you still have time to, to get the next release of it, but that will be the final release of the sublimely self-righteous black IPA. So go ahead and pick a couple bottles up. Uh, and enjoy those while you can. I, I think that one's going to be available through July. I think the the levitation is the one that's going to be doing its last run right now. Oh, okay, um, okay. But yeah, definitely, still go grab it. Yeah, <laughs> why waste time? Why, yeah, <laughs> why waste time? All right. Well, John, you know what time it is. It's time to raise our glass, and we have the opportunity to give a couple toasts or cheers out to uh, any of our anyone you want. So, do you have anyone you want to raise your glass to this week? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, continue the theme from earlier in the show and uh, just say cheers to my wife for uh, you know giving me another great son and sharing her beers with me and <laughs> and letting me come and talk beer with all of you. Yes. Uh, tonight even though we've got everything else going on so um <laughs> she's she's being very kind and very awesome and uh so I, I can't do this stuff without her being understanding and letting me go enjoy my my passion so uh thank you to her yes yes anything else that's it for me tonight okay well i also want to i want to raise my glass to you and to your lovely wife for everything you just said the fact that uh, she's allowing you to come join me. I'm really grateful, and that's worth uh, a toast. And also, of course, to the birth of your your new son. Uh, your your family's growing, uh, and and your hey, that's worth a cheers too. So cheers to to you and your family. Uh, I also want to do a toast to my uh, my colleague at work. He just had his wife just gave birth to their second child their second daughter. So now they have two daughters just born last Friday. So uh, just raise my glass to Jay and, and his wife, Lisa, for their their second daughter, Caitlin. Uh, healthy, both the, the mother and daughter are very, are healthy, and hopefully I think they're, they're at home now uh, enjoying the, the fun, not getting any rest, I'm sure. Yeah, enjoying the insomnia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And of course, I want to I want to thank uh, all of our listeners out there too. Without you, uh, John and I wouldn't have a reason to talk beer. Well, no, we would. We'd still talk to each other. But you know what? It's nice to talk to other people too. So, uh, hey, I hope you guys appreciate it. I just want to raise my glass uh, and and do a cheers to all of you out there listening. I also want to thank the Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show and for providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And, of course, being a former serviceman, I want to raise my glass. I want to thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military services, protecting our freedoms. I hope those deployed are able to return home safely very soon. And, as a reminder... I want uh, to remind you all that next episode for our listener participation tasting notes, we will be drinking the Widmer Brothers Hefeweizen. So you have two weeks to go find go find a bottle or six or 12 of the Widmer Brothers Hefeweizen and go ahead and drink along with us in the next episode. 
And if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft. And you can leave comments on the show post on openforumradio.com or Google+. Just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw, and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, how can the listeners follow you? On Twitter uh, at Prime Brewing, uh, on Untapped uh, Prime WA, and I write about my beer and brewing exploits over at HomebrewEngineer.com. All right. Well, it's last call. And it's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. And we hope you were able to find something useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. And that's it for this episode. Now remember, friends, don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all so spread the word and convert the beer ignorant hey it's shaver from open forum radio here want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of tap the craft and i would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the open forum radio podcast network uh we'll start it off with the original open forum radio the 40 cast prove your point geeks for the win i recommend my peanut gallery the married gamers some other castle gamer husbands radio the omg hour Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com. Links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. Alright folks, take it easy. Have a good day.